The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is, in fact, Real Life Real Estate Investing. We work so hard every week to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're going to tackle something that has been... I'm not going to say a long time coming. It actually seemed to all happen at once once they decided to do it. But it's something that folks have been um, curious about for the past couple of months. Uh, and that is how the new tax law is going to affect you as a real estate entrepreneur, whether you are a landlord, a note buyer, a flipper, whatever. And, uh, man, I've seen a lot of stuff on Facebook and on the Internet that uh, it's conflicting information. It seems like it goes every which way. So today we have brought in a CPA to answer your question. It's Scott Ellsworth from Ellsworth & Associates here in Cincinnati. He is the newly minted president of the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati. He is a real estate investor himself and just want to reiterate that whole thing you heard at the beginning about legal accounting and other professional advice because when you call to ask your questions you are going to need to take that information back to somebody who really 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 knows your tax and legal situation before you run off and take that advice because if you leave out something minor Scott like oh by the way Scott I forgot to tell you (laughs) I don't spend enough time on real estate every year to be categorized as a real estate professional that could make a huge difference correct in your answer yep so tell us first of all Scott generally is the new tax law a big positive big negative neutral for us as real estate entrepreneurs as real estate entrepreneurs it's a big positive um if you are a real estate entrepreneur, um, you got a lot of benefits out of this. And I think from an individual standpoint, we're sort of uh, – most will win. Some will not. But <laughs> most will. Okay. So give us, like, the the, the, the high-level overview of, like, what the big changes are. Like, the, the, stuff, that, the stuff that we're all going to notice <clears throat> first thing off. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh the biggest thing is a 20% tax uh, business income deduction uh, on trade or business income. I'm sure we'll have more questions about that, but that is probably the biggest thing that affects us. There's some corporate stuff that doesn't necessarily affect us in, uh, directly. Um, we probably won't talk about that much <clears throat> today, except it may relate if you own a C-Corp. That would affect it. Um, you do have the itemized deductions uh, for ni- 33, 30, about 30% of people itemize right now. 
probably about 10% itemized later, so that will affect a lot of us who are uh, entrepreneurs. We, If we don't itemize, our standard deduction has now doubled. Uh, <clears throat> one of the bad things that happened was everybody lost their personal exemption. So if you have a lot of kids over 17, uh, you lose some deductions there. But the bracket's all lowered. Um, and then the uh, but the personal exemptions are gone, uh, so that will be a definite um, loss. But the child tax credit increased, and the nice thing about it is I had a lot of uh, clients who were in the sort of three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar range, and they basically at about one hundred thirty thousand, you will phase out totally of child tax credits. Now that will go towards the four hundred thousand dollar point. So that's a big positive too. Interesting. Okay, so mostly on the show today, Scott, we want to answer questions from folks who are out there who heard something that they're confused about, or they have a, a you know a specific situation with what they're doing, and we want to make sure that you guys have the number to call because in cases like tax questions, it's sometimes easier to have you on the phone <laughs> so that so that you know Scott can say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, are you married or do you make under X, right. Y, or Z? So our phone number is 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email. Uh, the email address is askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor E-N-A at gmail.com. But again, the preferred method of contact today to talk to Scott Ellsworth CPA is 877-772-9658. Now, um, Scott, can, can, you, can you start with discussing the great love of every landlord's life, which is depreciation? Depreciation. Has anything changed with <clears throat> depreciation? Um, it has. So uh, we will now be able um, – the bonus depreciation that existed before, um, <clears throat> that now goes to 100%. Eventually it will be phased out, but it does at 100%. So you'll be able to use that um, for depreciating uh, – uh, your items. A lot of the other stuff didn't change. There's not a significant change in depreciation. Section 179 increased. Um, that's a large amount. That's uh, the that's the homeowner homeowner's ability to sell their own house at a profit. No, that's section uh, 122. So See, you quote you quote sections to I am lay sorry. people. So there is a depreciation deduction. It's called an expensing election, ah. where we can go ahead and we can expense stuff that we buy instead of writing it off over number of years refrigerators carpets things like that okay yep okay so that increased the threshold um but that's still fine the twenty five hundred dollars uh is still around um the twenty five hundred dollars is basically a deduction that says with the exception of things that are for the actual part of the property that isn't going to move in other words it's a fixed part of the property um tile things like that but cabinets carpet things like that that kind of stuff, that $2,500 deduction is around so that now if I <clears throat> were to go ahead and spend $1,000 on a refrigerator, I could go ahead and write that off. Instead of having to Depreciate. write it up over the 20 years or so that the IRS seems yeah. to think refrigerators last in a rental property. Right. <laughs> okay, so that that's good news because uh, yes. componentized depreciation, which is uh, something that folks who are really sensitive to minimizing their taxes often use it sounds like your ability to 
to just flat out um, write them off as opposed to even do the componentized depreciation uh, has increased. So that is awesome. Uh, we need to take a quick break after which we will take calls at 877-772-9658. Or if you're at work listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing and you just absolutely must send us an email, send it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Guys, you requested it. I kept getting emails, Facebook, private messages, everything saying, when are you going to talk about the new tax law and how it affects us and get our questions answered. And today is the day. We've got Scott Ellsworth, a CPA from here in the Cincinnati area who also invests in real estate, manages real estate. So he's kind of on all sides of that equation and He's here to answer your questions, 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Uh, email from Matty, says, she's uh, actually, it's interesting, it, at the bottom it says Pearl. <laughs> Top it says Matty, at the bottom it says Pearl. Whatever, Matty, Pearl, whatever your name is. Uh, she says, I started, started full-time in 2017 as a real estate investor. Yay! Mm. I want one of those buttons that you have, Mike, where I can where I can have applause at will because people say cool stuff like that, and I want to like be able to do that. Yes, we, we guard those they won't give me the button. <laughs> anyway, he says. She says I formed a corporation to do my wholesaling through. Now, did you really mean a corporation, Maddie, or did you mean an LLC? I went to a new members group meeting last night and our guest speaker and accountant and financial planner told us that if we were wholesalers and we did not conclude a deal in 2017, we could not take any business expense. If I understood that speaker correctly, is it true? Generally, no. <clears throat> so that would be if I was flipping, like I say, I bought a house and I flipped a house. So while I'm doing the rehab on the house till I sell that house, I don't deduct it. But wholesaling is a business activity. Um, those expenses that you've incurred, you might produce a loss in your, and again, if you were in a corporation or an LLC, not sure uh, what you have, or are you an S-Corp, that type of thing. So we'd have to talk a little bit more about that. But for the most part, no, you're going to deduct those expenses um, and you can produce a loss. The problem is you're not going to have those expenses then when you actually start concluding deals. I assume you've never done a deal yet, but so you'd have losses, no income. The next year you might have income and less expenses. Mm -hmm. But it kind of all washes out the same, yeah. right? right? So, um, and that and that actually brings up a question for me, Scott, because uh, as I was as I was reading through some of the summaries of this uh, new law, it appeared as if maybe LLCs, corporations, and partnerships might be treated differently going forward. Uh, in terms of in terms of being able to save on the taxes, um, I, I thought I thought I had read something about this twenty percent rollback that it only applies to certain kinds of companies. No, you've got professions, so <clears throat> and there's a <clears throat> there's a limit. So if you as a married couple make let's say three hundred fifteen thousand dollars, your income, whether that's now that is through if it's a C corp. That will be the rates they cut from thirty-five to twenty-one. Now there's a flat. 21%. So it's the corporation's tax rate that gets cut <clears throat> on the th right to go to thirty-five to twenty-one. But then there's the twenty percent. Okay, it's section one ninety-nine A, capital A. That one is twenty percent, 
uh, deduction off of your taxable income. There's a calculation you'd have to make, so you're going to want to have your advisor help you with that. But <clears throat> that deduction is allowed for any trade or business. So it could be a Schedule C, meaning you're a sole proprietorship. <clears throat> it could be an LLC that is a trade or business, uh -huh. or it could be an S-Corp. So you do get those deductions. Okay, and those deductions happen at the personal income tax level? Yes, because all LLCs, S-Corps, and sole proprietors would come through at the personal level. Yeah. Very good. Uh, if you have questions, 877-772-9658. I know, that's like so many sevens. It's eight, followed by four sevens, followed by two, followed by 9658. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Is there anything new that we need to do bookkeeping-wise to prepare for this law going into effect, which happens this year sometime? <clears throat> yep. The biggest thing is you need to really have good records. Um, a lot of people are sloppy because <clears throat> it's not that they want to be sloppy. It's just not your thing. You know, you are not a, you're not an accountant. So I do suggest that the records are a little bit more meticulous, done well. There will be issues depending on your income that you will want to have W-2 wages. So you're going to have, you're going to need payroll or depreciable assets. We might talk a little more about that later, but those are the types of things. So accounting-wise, you really do need to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. Things are very organized um, <clears throat> because this is a big deduction. And so I think it would be on the radar <clears throat> of the IRS as we move forward. So it's going to be important. Okay. So sorry, entrepreneurs. Better bookkeeping. You know, you know what I discovered recently is that um, I can take pictures of my receipts on my cell phone, yeah. and then they just stay there as long as I don't lose my cell phone, or I can even like upload them into Dropbox. You should and stuff upload like that. them. Don't leave them on your phone because how how many phones have you gone through? Um, I would still have a brick phone if they still could plug <clears throat> plug in. But I, I I get your point. I get your point. Um, but, you know, in the days when I would try and, like, keep them in my purse and then unload them on my bookkeeper when I would get to the office. And the receipts, of course, degrade. And sure. there's nothing there they do. by the time, you know, you take it out of your purse six months later. Uh, that whole getting into the habit of photographing stuff that's deductible right away. Yep. And there, there are plenty of apps out there to let you do that, yeah. photograph it, and then upload or email it to yourself. Um, we do that a lot. We email. We have one email box we set up under Gmail or wherever you would have it. That is, you know, receipts at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Set it up for that and email those receipts so you're you're maintaining those. Then make sure somebody takes those receipts and does something with them as far as recording those. Because you don't want to miss deductions either. But you also definitely want to make sure that your numbers are right to be able to take this deduction. Yes, yes. So, and just get it, getting into that habit of every time you yep. use that credit card, pay a bill, whatever, getting that getting that snapshot and doing whatever you need to do. To make sure that you do not lose it is is a new assignment for you listeners. Just get into that habit. It's a good one. And, and another one that's a good one. Uh, for years, I kept the little mileage book above my mm -hmm. visor. And <clears throat> I'd remember to write down the mileage, you know, 60% of the time. The mileage deduction is huge now. It's four, 54 and a half cents this year. It's crazy. So I got one of those apps for my phone that when I'm in my car, it just it just knows that I'm driving and right. it will it then later on pokes me and says, hey, you drove from 
Cincinnati to Springdale, what were you doing? And I say, I was on the radio show. They don't pay me, but I get to deduct the mileage because it's a business expense, right? Right. And seriously, I had like $10,000 in sure. mileage deduction last year. <clears throat> People lose out so much money of tax deductions and tax effect because they don't keep those. I mean, if you're – think about it. If you're a Schedule C person, you're, you're paying 15% Social Security and you're in a 25% bracket. So that's 40 cents on every dollar and 54 cents caught 50 to round it if you drive 20 miles around trip that's one gallon of gas but you get a ten dollar tax deduction which counts make you get four bucks uh-huh. it more than pays for your gas uh-huh and i think the app i i didn't you know i looked around and looked around and looked around for a free app because you mm-hmm. know that was just how i was brought up <laughs> sure you know actually i wasn't brought up to look for apps at all <laughs> except you know like before dinner but um I paid, I don't know, 19 bucks or something for mm-hmm. this one, and it's it's going to save me $4,000 this year. Oh, well worth it. So, yeah. Everybody go get an app if you don't have a mileage app, because every time you go, and you just stop me when I'm wrong, Scott, if you go to look at a house, whether you buy it or not, that's going to be deductible. Correct. If you go to pick up rent or talk to a tenant, that's going to be deductible. If you go to show a unit, even if the tenant doesn't rent it, that's going to be deductible. If you Correct. go eat lunch with somebody who might sell you a note, that's the trip is going to be deductible. Correct. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that you might be missing out on. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a bunch of questions lined up at askvina at gmail.com. If you want to make sure your question gets answered, you probably want to call the number toll-free is 877-772-9658. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Scott Ellsworth, CPA. And we're taking questions about the new tax law, some of which here, Scott, are pretty sophisticated. Are you ready to tackle Krish's questions? This is plural. Sure. Um, okay, so based on some information, let's see. Here's my understanding for 2018 going forward. Okay, so ready? Yes. Number one, she's practically doing my, uh, or he's practically doing my interview for me here. Rentals will qualify as a trade or business because they involve <coughs> regular and continuous activity. Yes, as long as they involve that. So if you've got, though, if you have two rentals and they've been there for 10 years and they do their own repairs and they just send you a check and you you don't do anything, that is not regular and continuous activity. But for the most part, most rentals would be regular and continuous activity unless you have just really sweet rentals. So, so, if you're, so you're saying if they are managed by others or if... They don't require much management. They could potentially not be. If they don't require much management, if you have management by others, that 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 that's okay. It's just that if you have something where um, I've got, uh, I just don't have to spend any time because I've got one rental that we never go over there. They send the rent in. Now that's mixed with all the our other rentals, so therefore the whole thing is a, a continuous. Um, regular and continuous, but that one by itself, if I just had that rental, that would not be considered. You you know that tenant's raising pit bull puppies in the basement, right? No, they're not, Vina. That's just, why they you, never call you. You should not be jaded. 
<laughs> when you've been doing this as long as I have, you'll realize I'm right. No, no, so I'm doing them all. <laughs> item two, I will be eligible for the 20% pass through deduction because rentals are a trade or business. I will not need to change to <laughs> Schedule C to take advantage of that. Uh, yes, you would not. You would not move rentals to a Schedule C. Um, however, you know you would. Yeah, so that's it. You would not have to change. I do not need to put the rental in an LLC to take advantage of the pass through deduction. So not Schedule C and not move to an LLC. Uh, that is correct. There is. I feel there's a little bit ambiguity of whether or not you need to have it as a pass-through entity. An LLC by itself, if I have a single-member LLC, has no pass-through. Um, I really felt reading it. I've, list, I've listened to other experts who have who have said it's totally deductible. I think it, the rationale is that, it, yes, it should be. You shouldn't have to put it in an LLC. Um, but there is a thing that the when I read the law, it it talked about Schedule C – talked about LLCs and S-Corps. So the question is, it really didn't mention Schedule E. So <clears throat> I have some questions on that. I uh, need to get some clarification. But I believe that the rationale, because it also includes income from REITs, real estate investment trusts, which basically means they're investing in real estate. <clears throat> it is a regular trader business, which is what the the deduction is for. So I do believe you would get it regardless whether it was in an LLC, but there is a question of whether you'd have to do it as a pass-through. But at that point, it would have to be a two-member LLC if it's a pass-through, not a single member, and that could pose a problem. Okay, so item three, and this is where else, we're still reading the same question <laughs> from the same listener, um, and this is an interesting one. If if rentals suddenly become a trade or business, a lot of that income is subject to FICA. It's subject subject my wholesaling <clears throat> income. If I'm not careful about how I, you know, put put that out there, uh, I can I can end up paying an extra fifteen point something percent ta uh, self employment tax. So his next question is, he will continue to report the rentals on Schedule E and will continue not to pay any FICA on the Schedule E. Yes, because you got to understand that um, tr all self employment income is trader business income, but not all trader business income is self-employment income. So <clears throat> therefore it is, it always has been a trader business. If you have actively, uh, regularly and, and act and continuously had activity in it, the the question right there is it, it doesn't change its character. It's still Schedule E. It's not subject to self-employment tax. Okay. Rentals being a trade or business will allow for more deductions such as seminars and education, home office, travel, and business meals. That is the case, but that's always been the case, so that if you had that, um, they were always a trader business. Because rentals are a trader business, I will be able to deduct health insurance premiums above the line <clears throat> on 1040 line 29. I don't need business income from Schedule C, S-Corp. Etc. for this deduction. Uh, if that's what uh, <clears throat> they've heard, I uh, would disagree with it at this point. Um, that again, your rentals are not self-employment. It is self-employed health insurance deduction, not trader business health insurance deduction. Interesting. So, so rentals have always kind of straddled this weird line where they've got they've got their own schedule if you own them yourself, and yet they've always been treated kind of like interest income. 
tax-wise? Like how much tax are you going to pay the same amount as you would pay if I had just received interest someplace that schedules for making all your deductions against right. your income? And now, <coughs> and I've always, I've always sort of thought of rental income as interest income, but now that it is trade or business income, is that going to potentially open us up to paying FICA on this in the future? No, that was actually discussed in when they were producing this law, when they worked for six weeks out of the whole year um, <clears throat> to come up with this uh, law, which just kills me, but that's another they subject. They couldn't qualify as legislative professionals I with would only have, six weeks I a would, year. <laughs> if, if, if my employees did six weeks of work for the whole year, I would not pay them the whole year's salary. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> anyway, so it, it really uh, – it, it, was, it was up as a possibility – um, but it did not go through. Okay. And one last question from Chris. Yep. Because rentals are a trader business, I will be able to contribute to my solo 401k pre-tax or Roth without having additional business income from a Schedule C, S-Corp, et cetera. No, the, 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 the deductions for those are for self-employment and for earned income. I mean, it's basically earned income. So that's, again, real estate tends to be a little bit different. Uh, still a trader business. But it's not earned income. Okay. So still needs to be earned income, Krish. All right. Very good. Um, we're probably going to have some time to uh, answer some more listener questions, even though I have one or two more here in the inbox. Uh, if you have a question about the new tax law and how it might affect you as a real estate entrepreneur beginning or... Otherwise, uh, give us a call at 877-772-9658. You can also send an email at askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, the cynical show, (laughs) where we apparently don't believe that our... Snow is going to be as deep as we're told, nor that our legislators work more than six weeks a year. Uh, okay, so uh, Scott, you were you were saying during the break that there's one big thing that we kind of need to address here. So yeah, so there's a there was a, a change in it was a it was some people some confuse it. So there's interest and more and uh, real estate taxes, state and local income taxes, and real estate taxes that are limited. Those are limited only for personal. Uh, you personally for your personal residence. It's not if you own a rental property, <clears throat> if you are a hedge fund and you've got tons of rental properties, there is no limit on those taxes and income uh, interest expenses and taxes. So okay. just so people are clear with that. Okay. So don't worry about being able to, don't be, don't worry about being able to deduct your real estate taxes. Even if you live in New Jersey, have you ever seen what the real estate tracks are like in New Jersey? Really? Oh my gosh! Like seriously, they—I—I I, I have friends in New Jersey that their their tax payment on a house the same cost as mine is the size of my house payment. Seriously, so they have some of those here. If you go to a terrace park, we we actually part part of what I've done in the past is we built custom homes. We built a one point five million dollar home about ten years ago. The taxes, which now are much more. The real estate taxes are for thirty six thousand every year, just for the property taxes. Interesting. And they're probably close to fifty now. Which you could deduct if right. that were a rental property. Right now, personal wise, the person who lives in it, who I know, he'll be able to deduct ten thousand is the max, which has to include all his state and local income taxes. So, 
some got hit with that. Hmm. So, yes, we'll see if there is a <coughs> a flight from uh, high property tax states, um, which also tend to be high income tax states. Actually, they tend to go together. <laughs> so states with high yep. income tax tend to also have high property tax, and we'll see if it just became worth it for folks to. Uh, relocate from those states because somebody's going to have to make an adjustment there. A boom for the housing market here. Yes, here um, and maybe some cheap deals available there. Uh, have there any? Have there been any changes in your recommendations to your clients about how they how, about what entities they might set up to do different things? Um, not for the most part, except for. There, there is, in some instances now, C-Corps have come a little bit back into favor <clears throat> because the rates are 21%, not 35 Now, it's a flat 21 so I had clients who had C-Corps, and we had just switched them to S-Corps. <laughs> but they were paying 15% corporate tax rates because they were in a lower bracket. Well, they would have had, a, they would have had an increase. Mm-hmm. So for them, it was still a better deal. <clears throat> and you still have double taxation is the problem if you have income in the C-Corp. It's going to pay tax, then the individual is going to pay tax when they take it out as a dividend. So <clears throat> for the most part, most of it has not been. There is some a little bit complicated part of it, but but if, if uh, self-directed IRAs may use a C-Corp as an avenue to, to help avoid some uh, unintended taxes uh, if you're doing stuff inside your IRA, self-directed IRAs, um, and a C-Corp would be a great uh, vehicle to eliminate that. Interesting. So bottom line is if you have a complicated real estate business or you have a large real estate business, it might be good to go back and sit down with your CPA again and just do a checkup. Just make sure everything's the way that is going to minimize uh, your taxes for you. Um, I know a lot of folks uh, in the real estate business, as as they are starting to become uh, more estate builders than they are starters, uh, one of the ways that that they've traditionally done that is by putting investments in their children's names, because mm-hmm. yeah, under the theory that the children pay the kitty tax and therefore the overall tax of the family is lower. If I, you know, if I give you a house this year instead of a birthday present, right? Is that still around? Is there something new with the kitty tax? So the kitty tax, <clears throat> the the update is is that it used to be based on your parents' highest rate, but now it's based on trust rates which basically trust rates are uh, very, uh, they have a bracket just like individuals do, but the trust brackets are very, very small. So it gets to 37% very, very quickly. So it will be less uh, beneficial to move that to the kids. It might be better to get them earned income. So pay them W-2 wages, things like that. Uh, So there's a lot of planning that can be done, but the kitty tax in of itself took a little bit of a hit and then it will, it will be more expensive. Okay. Very good. Um, I had one more question here if I, and I'm getting a dinosaur that says there is no internet connection instead of getting my question here. It's not, uh, you can't press <coughs> it, Mike. I'm sure it's my computer's fault, not your fault. So while I try and get back to that question, um, let me ask you something that's just, uh, I just ask every CPA this when <laughs> they're on the air and that is, uh, what can we do as entrepreneurs with complex businesses potentially uh, to make your life easier in preparing our taxes for 2017? Um, 
Well, the one thing I would say is don't bring your stuff in a bag and <laughs> don't bring your receipts. I declined to bring a hefty trash bag like the one you stuff the leaves with in your yard, and it was full of receipts. And very expensive to have your CPA deal with that, even if lower-cost staff are doing it. So <clears throat> that would be the one of the biggest thing is to just to be organized, um, save your documents, save your receipts. Your CPA doesn't have to see every receipt, um, but summarize things, total things. Talk to them about wh- how they want to see that. That's the discussion I would have right now this month <clears throat> is talk to your CPA and say, how would you like my my information? He can look back at it and look at your previous documents, see how that is, and that would help. Because <clears throat> pretty much 17 is over. There's not a lot you can do. There will be some things you can do with retirement accounts and that type of uh, thing um, <clears throat> to cut taxes. But primarily is you want to keep their fee as low as possible. Um, no reason to pay them a high price unless you just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes people just, I just don't want to deal with it, and they want their CPA staff to take that hefty bag of receipts and organize them for them. There is definitely a cost <laughs> there is. to to uh, deciding that you're going to bring a hefty bag full of receipts in instead of, um, you know, otherwise. Uh so the this other question, actually, I believe you addressed it uh, earlier. This is from John. He says, very interested to know how the new tax law would affect uh, companies that hold a large number of residential real estates during the 28 to 2010 financial collapse. Uh, hedge funds and other large investors acquired lots of residential real estate. Interested to know if the $10,000 cap applies to large holders of residential real estate and whether the new tax policy will cause a large quantity of residential real estate to flood the market. And I think, no. sadly... <clears throat> no, yeah. I think every, every investor would like to see this glut of inventory <laughs> that they could buy cheap. Uh, maybe for other reasons, but it won't be because of the tax law. Yes, well, I, I say sadly for those of us who'd like to snatch up all those newly cheap properties, but probably very happily for the hedge funds that own, you know, 10,000 properties and will still be able to uh, deduct all of their real estate taxes because they're a business expense. Right. Uh, Okay. So um, any changes at all to uh, IRA contributions, that sort of thing? Uh, No, but the one, there is one change. It used to be that one to convert an IRA to a Roth. Okay. Let's say I was going to do that. I could do it. Uh, say June of 17, and then I get to my tax return, and my CPA prepares my tax return and says, you're going to owe $20,000. And for some reason, you just were clueless that you were going to owe this money, and you decide you wanted to recharacterize it back. You used to be able to do that. Now you can't. Once you do it, it's a done deal. You can't back up. <clears throat> so that is probably one of the, what I would say, the biggest thing that, that affects it. Not everybody. It's just if you're going to convert from a regular to a Roth. It's it's interesting because there was some talk, um, I want to say prior to the 2016 election, about making major changes to IRAs, capping how much money you could have in them. Um, of course, there's the continual, are they going to take away the Roth designation altogether? Do we all need to go get a Roth IRA before they are gone forever and ever? And they just didn't do much to touch any of that. No, they didn't. So... Okay, so you had mentioned earlier that there were some people that, you know, for most real estate investors, it was going to be, a, you know, yay, good year, but that there were going to be some exceptions <laughs> to that. Um, who's not going to be happy about this? 
I don't really think real estate investors, I don't think overall any of them will be unhappy. I think once they get above a certain amount of income, so if I'm a <clears throat> real estate investor and I've got more than, let's say, as a married couple, more than 315000 my deduction, my 20% deduction starts getting limited. Um, but again, there's a lot of other benefits. So I don't think it's really the real estate investor per se that's going to have that. I think it's more of the if you have a certain circumstance where you're not getting any child tax credit and you're you don't get any personal exemptions and you were <clears throat> already had twenty four thousand itemized that type of thing so i I think overall every real estate investor should generally be very happy with this very good uh got time for just a couple of more listener questions uh you can send us an email it's askvina it's a s k v like in victor e n a at gmail dot com you can also give us a call at 877-772-9658. Now, Scott, I just got this question that I hope you understand. You're the CPA. Okay. Please ask Scott to explain the tax treatment difference between receiving prince between receiving interest and principal payments on a debt with a high likelihood of uncollectability and one that is likely to be collected. So is there a difference in tax treatment <laughs> between getting payments on, let's say, something like a defaulted second mortgage that is reperforming versus something that's a nice, safe loan? No, there's no tax. I mean, I'm assuming you're getting a better return, so you're going to pay more tax because it's more income, but there's really not much of a tax difference. There'd be some issues if you're going to if you're going to write off something you invested in and it doesn't pan out and things like that but if i'm getting the question i i don't know i don't think there's any real difference tax wise yeah i'm not sure i'm getting the question either it's possible that the question is about um that it, the question is about the installment sale treatment because i know i've had a couple of years where i i had sold i had sold properties on to not confuse everybody, let's just say an owner-held mortgage, okay? It was actually a land contract, but half the country doesn't use those. So I sold a property on uh, an owner-held mortgage, and the IRS wanted me to pay the entire tax on the profit as if I had received it all that year. You know, if I bought the house for 20 and sold it for 40 they wanted me to pay taxes on $20,000 worth of profit when I'd gotten 1000 bucks up front and three payments of $317. And... I was able to get the mortgage itself appraised. In other words, have an expert who buys mortgages tell say what they would pay for the mortgage as opposed to what was owed to me and was able to to get that brought down because the the uh, you know the the mortgage buyer would say wait this is a $40,000 property you got $900 down on it I might give you $21,000. Right. So that could be what the question is about. I don't know. Uh, okay, so <laughs> next listener question. Please ask Scott about the future fate of 1031 exchanges and whether there are any changes in that arena. So there were changes in the 1031. Fortunately, real estate was maintained, so we still get our 1031. Uh, <clears throat> the dilemma will be, it used to be that when I went and traded in a business car, let's say that business vehicle, I traded in for another one at a dealership. Well, it used to be that I, there was no taxable event on that because they just rolled forward. You rolled the the cost basis, whatever was left that hadn't been depreciated, you rolled that into the new vehicle. 
Well, now it's going to be like I took my old vehicle to the the uh, car uh, lot and I sold it to them and then I bought a new one. So the sale of that is going to be a taxable event. And the uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, and then the other piece was uh, people that had, let's say, planes. I do have some clients with planes, and they used to like to ten thirty one those. Real estate taxes, real estate generally did not get affected. The only thing that, that we think that I think is going to be a potential problem is if you've done cost segregation where you've taken your property and you've said that that each component, you componentized it and said that this is appliances, this is uh, cabinets, and this is the driveway, this is the sidewalk, the landscaping. Those items are not then real estate. So that if I go to do that, there may even though I think my whole is my whole sale is going to be an exchange, it may be that only part of it is, but you're going to want to look at those numbers and how you've treated it. Are you more for, complicated? Are you for or against a flat tax? I mean, I know that that would like put you out of business and no, everything. No, it wouldn't but... put me out of business. I'd have other stuff to do. We would do other planning. <laughs> no, a flat tax would be great. the The fact is, nobody will ever do it. You know, they kept two hundred and fifty dollar educator deductions why it's some piddly deduction but and i'm not saying i mean i think teachers are great that's what they do what they do is awesome but it's 250 dollars, and they would keep it they 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 kept there's a lot of things they kept in because interest special interests you know the that's becomes a problem special interest will always do that we will never i hope we have a flat tax but i don't think we'll ever will yeah, because that, that, that scenario you just outlined was, like, so incredibly complicated. I can only imagine that I can see an IRS agent sitting there trying to figure out which part of your building you had componentized in in disallowing your 1031 exchange or, or only allowing part of your 1031 exchange. And it's just seriously insane. So if, uh, if um, you had three minutes, which you do, to summarize for our listeners and for... Uh, folks who are in the real estate business or planning to get into the real estate business here shortly uh, about what they need to be paying careful attention to, what they need to be doing over the course of the next 12 months, what would those things be? Uh, One, they need to talk to their CPA, and their CPA may not have all the answers right away because there's going to be changes and and clarifications coming out for a while. But you need to do that and do the planning. Decide on the right entity, the right structure, depending on what kind of business you're in. Even lenders who previously you didn't want to treat it as trader business income, there may be a reason to now treat it as trader business income. So that has to be planned out. And then you really need to get your uh, bookkeeping in order so that it is very clean because that's going to be very critical Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. So. Very true. And for folks who are sitting there thinking, I know I'm going to have questions, but I can't think of them right now. Or mom, I've got way too many questions to type. Uh, Scott will be presenting at the, uh, not not, uh, not the very next, but the next after that, <laughs> Cincinnati RIA meeting. Uh, that is February the 1st, if I have my memorized dates correct, which I never try to do. Uh, yes, February the 1st. And uh, I assume you'll have outlines for folks yes. and be able to hand them out information that they can uh, take to their own CPAs if they have other questions. And uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit of time to answer questions for folks as well. Exactly. 
So that is Cincinnati Rhea. Uh, public is welcome. That is, it's February the 1st, although we do have an intervening meeting on the uh, 18th. You can find out all you need to know about Cincinnati Rhea and download a free guest pass at CincinnatiRhea.com. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Mm-hmm.